Welcome to the MA Roadshow, episode number 204. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me, or rather, I am with him. Yes. We are at the Casa de Cold Coffee here in an ice-cold, snowy Las Vegas, Nevada. I wouldn't say ice-cold. It's colder. It's chilly. It's chilly. It was it chilly enough chilly. to snow. It's funny. I uh, Snow sat on the ground. Snow set on the ground, and that's, I guess, what I was going to get at. You know, like, I, I had this weird schedule today because I was working with the boys in Europe. Um, yeah, you were. Abby Subban and Simon Head are over there covering UFC Prague, and I was kind of helping them get everything filed on the site. So I had this weird thing where I got up at 2.30 in the morning uh, to start working, and I looked out the office that time, man, and it was coming down. I mean, it was it was settling on the, uh, on the ground and on the grass, and especially in the mountains. I think – I don't know if you know – like, maybe if you've never been to Las Vegas or maybe if you just – You've come to Las Vegas and you you just stay in the casinos the whole time. You might forget that there's, you know, we're in a valley. There's pretty big mountains around us, whatever. Yeah. So when it snows, it is kind of pretty, man. You see, like, the, the white snow-covered mountains. I mean, yeah, sometimes we get just the little caps or whatever. Yeah. But on a day like today, I mean, it's painted white all the way around. So it was really pretty. Um, I will say that my, my son, I think, was bummed that he didn't get a snow day out of school. Oh, I don't know. How if many they ever do that here. I was going to say, I don't know <laughs> how many times in his life he's going to get the opportunity to maybe get a snow day, yeah. uh, and it didn't happen. But it was funny because uh, as I was driving to, to come over here, I was, kind of, I was half expecting to, 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 to white-knuckle it on the way over here, oh, be yeah, careful yeah, yeah. for the icy roads. Uh, and, and I was a little bit concerned, but to be honest with you, it's – yeah, I mean, the roads are fine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cleared <laughs> up. And now as I look out – uh, of the Casa de Cold Coffee window, the snow has melted off the palm trees over here. Yep. It's, uh, but I, it was for I a little bit. It was a good snow. Yeah, I think the grill maybe ha- still has some on it. But I think that was the the unique thing that uh, you know Agent H decided to wake me up this morning to let me know that there was snow outside on the car, snow on the on the grill. And uh, I don't know why she couldn't just let me know later on she after nice I woke up. Of it. Taking maybe, a nice picture. A I was like, you know, hey, take a mental picture or take a picture, send it to me later. Text it all up, write up something pretty. That's better, you know, rather than wake me up. But, um, yeah, it's neat. I mean, uh, this is one of the first times I think I can remember that it actually uh, sat here for me. And I've seen right. dustings on the ground here. And where you are out in the middle of the desert, uh, it's a little bit different. But I think here more in central Vegas, the heat of the strip, the heat of the freeway right there, um, I think it's just a little bit warmer right here. So I don't usually see it here. But, but you're right around as for, like, the mountains. It's funny because – when it snows uh, around there, around like the mountains, usually we won't even notice it here down in the valley. We'll just see it, like you say. We'll pull up to a stop uh, stoplight, and I'll look ahead. And I'm like, oh wait, look in the mountains. That looks really pretty. But today, it actually snowed down into the valley, like or, or last night, I should say. Um, so to actually see it, it's kind of neat, you know. Um, I know there's probably a lot of longtime Vegas residents that could probably count on you know, one hand, the time that they've seen snow cover like this. Um, I don't remember seeing it like this since 2008. I mean, so yeah. I know, so if if people are, I know there's probably people from all around the world that are like, you jackass. Like, this isn't like, I'm this sitting isn't in snow. feet yeah. of snow right now, you asshole. Yeah, like. And I get it. Yeah, I mean, like, where I'm from originally, like, we had snow plows, and they were stockpiles of salt and various salt sand mixtures that they would 
plan for days like this. When you're out in a place like this, they don't have the the the, the massive amount of plow trucks or things. Oh. You know, I'm sure they have a plow somewhere I saw, that they could put it onto a truck here. I saw a social media exchange where uh, a local uh, media source was yeah. was talking to the uh, the city of Las Vegas. Yeah. The city of Las Vegas. Does not even own a snow say. truck, but the Nevada State uh, Department of Transportation Department does. Of Transportation, yeah, but yeah, they, have, I imagine they probably they have would. like yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, because I I imagine they would probably if there was a need like in in like in Ohio and in Columbus, there's they have actual snow trucks or plow trucks that the the blades are fixed on there. You know, I mean, granted they're they're replaceable, so should something happen, but they're made for it. Here, a lot of times, what they usually see is. They've uh, altered a truck to be able to add one on should right. they need to, but they probably use it once, you know, in the life of the truck or something. So it's neat to actually see that they actually had to do it. But, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, I bet the the roads – because people lose their fucking mind out here. Even driving oh, to yeah. the airport the other day when it was raining, people were were driving crazy and driving way too fast because it kind of – we've talked about it before, you know, when the, the, the moisture the slicks rain that we get. the oil and stuff. Yep. Everything just gets drawn out. But at least with what we had today, it didn't – I don't think it got to the point um, – like even right now when I was looking at earlier, it was like 40-ish or something like that. Like yeah. you're not reaching the freezing point where most of that shouldn't freeze. No. Now when you get further out, maybe with wind, it can kind of boost it up and maybe actually make it maybe freeze a little bit in some spots, but, but for the temperature itself, we shouldn't be experiencing that here. And then on most of the highways, usually the car exhaust and all that stuff, yeah. and the tires will kind of kill all that stuff. But, but the dirt road that it takes to get to my house. The dirt road and the tumbleweeds. I'm sure there's just frozen <laughs> tumbleweeds, you know, right off to the sides of the road. And uh, uh, It's cool, man. Like I said, it's 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 pretty to see. It's it's not so bad that it, it bothers anything. Maybe it'll freeze up tonight, but uh, yeah, it's all gone now. It was yeah. there for a couple of hours. We got to it's enjoy neat, it for though. just a little bit. It is and the, neat. And the mountains are pretty around it. It's, it is pretty cool to see the, the white covered mountains. So that's that. I feel bad for my son. I think he was really hoping to uh, to miss <laughs> to a day do slides. Like, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, but I bet, have you? has he ever went sledding? No. I know there's some place I saw the other day. It was so funny. The, the news uh, lady. They had, oh, there was a little great. bit of uh, snow somewhere on a hill, and of course, Vegas News like, oh, we got to go cover this. That's you know, right. there are people actually sliding, and it was just such the smallest little bit of cover. But this reporter, she gets the idea of, hey, I'm going to sled down this hill with this kid, you know, and the, her cameraman shooting it, and boom, they get pushed and they go down the hill, and lo and behold, the one path that they chose. <laughs> Ran straight into a tree, <laughs> and this poor thing. Luckily, they didn't. It wasn't a large hill, so they didn't get amazing. like massive uh, speed going. But I was like, "Oh, that's how that's how Vegas does sledding." We're phenomenal. so bad that when we go to sled, we sled right into a hill or something. But it was pretty funny to see. So yeah, it's it's a uh, those of you out there in real places that get real snow. You know, it's it's funny how people react to it out here and me growing up around snow i loved it at a time you know but i'm glad that i don't have to deal with it I, i'm glad i don't have to go out and you know scrape off your windows and sit out there and have to have like a heater block for your car to get it started like some of the places where i know some of you listening to this are you know i feel for you you know i feel for you but I remember uh, <laughs> taking a trip to Milwaukee and Danny oh, Boy that's Downs. Brutal. Well, we were there during the summer, but Danny yeah. Boy Downs was talking about uh, how, like, during the winter, like, it gets so cold there, like, your just yeah. car doesn't even work. Like, you it's can't unreal. Even turn it on. It's unreal. The thing, I mean, yeah, some places they literally have like 
heater blocks heaters for the engine block so that the engine can have enough warmth to actually so the mechanisms oh, can no. try to work it's unreal some of the places uh hell yeah no. i mean that shit's hardcore and that's why when i see stuff like that i'm like i'll take the heat i'll take being sweaty and being you know hot because i can cool myself off but to be in a place where it's like and something like that, the weather just wins. Like weather wins. That's frosty when that's when you see mother freezes frosty. Over. <laughs> that's Can't one thing. Have that. You just walk outside with your frosty beard, stick it in the snow, and you're good to go. That's I mean, but that's one of the reminders, you know. And I promise we'll get to MMA talk after this. But yeah. that's when you're like, Mother Nature will kick your ass if she really wants to. Like that, it's it's so impressive to be places where it's like you kind of it's a different speed of life. You have to. You could want to rush to your job. You could wash, want to rush to go do this and this. But there's a, at a certain point, you're just like, you can't fight it. You just got to roll with it, you know? And so, you know, you might want to go to the store. You might want to go shopping and do whatever. But if Mother Nature's like, fuck you, you got to stay inside. You can't even drive out and this stuff. You're just like, okay. And there's something good about that, that slower, that slower pace of life. And I think that's why, you know, you go to some places that do experience a lot of the snow. People are happy because you're forced at some time to just stop. No. And just, they're just happy. They're bored. They could be bored. That's probably why they drink so much. That's probably why they drink so much. All right. Listen, as you said, we, we will get to MMA. The big news of the day, George St. Pierre has finally officially retired. He uh, held a press conference in Montreal. Uh, our own uh, young Mike Bond was there on the scene. And by our own, I guess I should say MMA Junkie's own, not the MMA Roadshow's own. We haven't employed Mike Bond <laughs> yeah, to, no. to go. <laughs> he doesn't, it doesn't say MMA Roadshow staff reporter <laughs> on his lower third. No, MMA Junkie's Mike Bond was on scene, and uh, he was there to collect some of it. So here's just a few minutes. If you didn't get a chance to catch the uh, the full press conference, we've boiled it down to just a couple quick minutes so you can hear uh, a, a few moments of what many people consider the greatest of all time hanging it up for good we think yeah today i uh, everybody knows it's not a surprise I, I announced my retirement there's no tears i'm very happy to do it it's uh it takes a lot of discipline though to retire on top um it's a uh, it's a lot it, it was a long process in my mind and uh but uh, it's time to do it. Uh, only a few people have done it. And I always said that uh, I want to retire on my own and not be told to retire. So uh, it takes disciplines. And uh, in combat sport, in full contact sport, that's how you should retire. You should retire on top. And uh, that is very hard to do. And I'm happy I had the discipline and, and the wisdom to do it. When I was young, the reason why I, I started doing mixed martial arts is because I watched Royce Gracie growing up when he won the first UFC. And at that particular moment, I knew exactly that's what I wanted to do. It's weird. It's like I had a, a vision. And I want to say thank you to Royce Gracie to add and inspire me. Also, thank you to uh, Jean-Yves Thériault uh, to have inspired me not only as an athlete, as a good role model. And thank you to Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is probably the best athlete, all sport combined. His record would probably never been broken. And um, not only that he's an incredible athlete for me, he's an incredible role model. And through my career, I always try to mold myself like, uh, like Wayne Gretzky. I always wanted to be like Wayne Gretzky. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Wayne Gretzky. And... Uh, 
I remember I, I used to watch him when he won the Stanley Cup. I was very young. My my dad used to wake me up every time the Oilers won, and I, there was there was a, the Oilers was my team. Sorry for Montreal Canadian. I know I'm in the Bell Center, but they used to be uh, my team, and Wayne Gretzky was my idol growing up. So um, thanks for the inspiration. Everything start with a dream, and um, I was able to to have a dream because of 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 these guys. And um, thanks to uh, the, the Bell Center to organizing all this, the reporter, everybody that that had support me, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right, so former UFC welterweight champion, former UFC middleweight champion, future UFC Hall of Famer George St. Pierre saying that his fighting days are over. Uh, not necessarily surprising, of course. I think we all kind of knew this was coming or not too far away. Uh, you know, thought there may be a, a one-off here or there left, but we knew that George St. Pierre didn't have years left of competing. But still, a, v a very, very big day in the sport. And, um, I mean, listen, you have to consider him among the greatest of all time. Uh you know, I think when you had that discussion, the people you're talking about, of course, you're going to throw in your Anderson Silva. You're going to throw in your Fedor Emelianenko. You're going to throw in your John Jones. Uh, you, you, you're probably going to throw in your Demetrius Johnson, you know, unless you're a, a casual, and then you wouldn't bring up there. But, I mean, those are a handful of names. But I do wonder, I mean, it, it, I think it does add something to George's legacy when you add in the fact that there, there are no controversies surrounding him. There are no – you know, drug tests or, or outside of the cage issues. I mean, an incredible representative of the sport outside of his competing as well. And um, man, it, it it is a shame to 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 feel that it's over. I feel that it probably is over. I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he could always come back, and he could. It's not that he's physically unable to compete. He he could come back. Um, but I think he said it best himself today. You know, the fire is not really there. The hunger is not there. It's not there, John. I mean, we just played audio. We don't need to, to have to have more audio. But, I mean, great producing there, Cole Cobb. I, I, I found a, that random bit. A little yes, more clip. Yes. John, we, we, I speak French, you stupid English, because. Amazing, man. Always on the spot, getting the stuff behind the scenes that people aren't picking up. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is legit. I, I don't think yeah, this I mean, is going to be one of those. I mean, you, you, you remember, I mean, the, the first – "Quote unquote retirement." He never he never said retirement. He stayed away from that. This is his first real official, you know, set in stone retirement. I, I don't know, man. I, I I get the feeling. Of, okay, so I was gonna say I get the feeling he's gonna stick with it, but it does. But it does. But even in and, and I'm trying to think. It, it wasn't in that particular small section, but somebody did later on press him about the fact of. You know what it would take, and I can't remember. He, he was sort of talking about whether you know if he if there was a big offer to do a movie and then come back and do something. I just think that if enough money is dangled out, I think any fighter is willing to come back. Especially, uh, like he said, he's not going to be one of these guys that retires and goes and gets fat. Right. And he's like, I'll be in the gym tomorrow. So he's going to be in fit, and he thinks he's probably he, he thinks he's he appreciates how fit he is and how his body looks or feels now more than he did when he was, say, 25 or something. So I think with enough money in a short enough time frame, I think we could probably see it. You know, if the time starts getting where it's three years, four years, five years, then I think, okay, no amount of money is going to bring him back. Right. But I think in the, in, in the interim, whether it be uh, this year or next year, 
for sure, I think a dollar value alone could bring him back. If you start getting in the three-year range, then I think there's a point where he's like, uh, no, the, the the hunger is just not there, as he said. Well, it's you know? funny, too, because – all right, so if you're going to play the devil's advocate game, yeah. too, the other thing is, I mean, if they came to him on, like, two weeks' notice and said, hey, uh, it's 195 pounds and it's in two weeks, I would think he'd almost be more – up for that than yeah. to say I got to go put myself through a twelve week training camp because yeah. that's the part that sucks, yeah. right? I mean, for sure, everybody at that level I, loves I to compete. I completely agree. So that's kind of funny to think about yeah. that maybe a last second opportunity would be a better opportunity because he doesn't have to put himself through all that. Now it wouldn't be yeah. at one hundred seventy pounds. You know, I'm sure he's not. Gonna I was going to say, but, is, that. but that's what you're thinking. You're thinking like maybe like a Woodley fight or something. I don't know something. I mean something. A middleweight fight or a catchweight yeah. fight of some kind on, on last Middleweight second. Middleweight would just be shat because it's like you just literally gave that one up. <laughs> I know. All right, well, okay, so let's get into but. this because our, he said it. Hey, listen, he was trying to get a fight done with Habib Nurmagomedov. And, I mean, I see fan reaction going like, absolutely. In fact, there was somebody that sent us an email to the, the MMA Junkie account that was like, you guys should start a petition, man, because this is a fight that the fans want to see. And the UFC has to understand that this is a fight the fans want. This is a fight the fans need. And if we can prove to them it's a fight that we want, then maybe they'll make it. But I got to say, I, I kind of understand the, the UFC's perspective on not wanting to do a fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. And, and you just touched on it. I mean, it's that fact that, man, you would be giving George St. Pierre a chance to come in and because – the understanding was that it was going to be at 155 pounds for the lightweight title. That was the idea, to give George an opportunity to be a three-weight world champion and, of course, to take on, you know, another one of the greatest of all time, if not, you know, one of the greatest at least pound for pound right now and Habib Nurmagomedov. But I kind of understand the UFC's perspective on that. Like, George already came in once and proved, and he said it today. He said, listen, I have no, I have no intention or desire – to think about multiple fights in front of me. Yeah. I'm only thinking about right now, one challenge for me, what makes sense for me right now. And to be honest with you, I, I kind of get the USC's perspective of saying, why would we give George St. Pierre a chance to walk in, win another one of our titles, throw it away, yep. and screw up the division again, and take some shine off yep. our champion? Which is exactly what the last one was. Right. Even though he didn't want to say it, and he didn't say it in those words, I think he probably still could have got that. Heavy, uh, the middleweight fight that he did, um, it's the exact same scenario, except that one he played with the, the – he used the right words for the UFC to say okay. But for him to just kind of probably see this and and the UFC is like, all right, we're not going to buy that line twice. You know, we're not going to do that sort of thing. So I can, I, can, I can definitely see it. But I like it that he's just being honest and open about it. Like, hey, if you want to make a huge fight, a huge ton of money, let's just do it. But, I mean – I, what I don't get is the fact that that's what the UFC has kind of pivoted to lately. All ratings and everything else seem to have went out the out the window. You know, it's like, you know, of course, yeah, it should be like Khabib and Tony fighting, but everybody's like, oh, hey, no, put Khabib and GSP, Khabib and, and whoever. You know, they're looking at these other ones. So it's like you kind of get the feel that the UFC has really went this way now where you know, rankings be damned. You know, it's what makes sense for where they're at in their fiscal year or yeah. something. So, um, I don't know. It's it just, uh, I don't see why. I mean, I can see where some freak sort of fight now could happen as opposed to legit defenses for a division. You know, it's kind of weird. It's sad that it's got there because 
this is what we've been kind of harping on forever. You know, it's the shit that used to drive me crazy, what they would did for, for Connor. Uh, I mean, I love the fights that came out of it, but it was just like, division be damned. Yes, you have this belt and you have this belt. You're never going to defend it. You're going to do something else. And now we're getting the thing where now it's just these random uh, title fights, these, of course, fan favorite title fights. I mean, I get it. Fans are appreciating. They like it. But I think also the fans are like, what is going on with these divisions? Why have a division at a certain point, you know, when they're not going to honor the division when it comes to I, defending the belt. I, exactly, and that's what I think about it. I think it would have screwed up, especially at lightweight right now. Man, Imagine that, if they just had a roster, and it, and it, and it wasn't so much. They're just like, all right, you just have to get to a certain weight class. So they wouldn't list me as a UFC lightweight. <laughs> Granted, they would never <laughs> let me have a UFC lightweight. But I would You're just saying. be on the UFC roster, and then I it would be on me that if a fight came, I just had to make that weight. And then it doesn't fucking matter what right. my ranking is. I just got to be able to. And then you could just pick and choose or whatever. But that would be madness, and that would be absolutely ridiculous. And that's kind of where they've gotten sometimes just – it's out of control, you know. And, well, and that's why I say the lightweight division is so loaded right now. I mean, you got Dustin Poirier yeah. saying, cut me because I can't get a title fight. You got which is so potentially shitty. Max so Holloway f- moving up to fight yeah. Tony Ferguson, which is also weird. You got Conor. I mean, there's so many fights at lightweight that I do understand, again, why they did this. I tell you what, and I, I, maybe, and I know GSP said that, you know, uh, the, the Bisping fight moving up there, you know, caused him some health issues. So maybe that totally ruined it. But I – to me, this would have been a great time to go ahead and do GSP Anderson Silva. I mean, no disrespect to Jared Cannonier, but yeah. that fight is such a weird fight to me, man. I, and yeah. I like Jared Cannonier, man. He's a he's a he's a cool, interesting dude that's on his way up. But who the would idea you, who of would you see, who, well, I guess we'll talk about that just right now. First, gut reaction: Who do you see winning that Cannonier? fight? So do I. I know, I do. You know, that's why you'd almost want to see it with Joy, just because you feel yeah. like I feel like GSP maybe would bring something out of silver. Maybe we'd get one last, like, great moment, you know, yes. because I think what happened with, especially with the two strikers of him and, and Israel, Israel had moments that we thought he was maybe going to push him more, and we thought maybe, you know, uh, Anderson would kind of push him more, but he was very hesitant. Right. I think this this could be one where, one, you know, there would be some good striking, but there would also be those moments where George is like, I'm just going to grab you. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm moving put, inside. I'm, I'm going to take you down yep. or whatever. So we would have some it's gonna force, force interaction. Engagement. That's right, yeah. force the engagement. You're going to you're right. gonna have to go to the tie clinch. You're going to have to throw some knees. Yeah. You're going to have to defend yourself. I, I mean, Jared's going to take him down as well. I mean, that I, I think Jared Jared has everything in the ability to just man, fucking dude. manhandle <laughs> He's a beast of Anderson, a man. unfortunately. But, yeah, I would. so I'd almost – Rather than see Anderson, because if Anderson keeps losing these ones, one, I could see where, you know, at that point, then he's just filling out his contract because I just feel like he's not going to make it back to a title thing. And I would almost rather him, while his shine is still there, and he'll always have shine. Grant, he'll always have some level of shine because it's Anderson. Lose lose to a fellow all time. You're going to lose, lose to a legend. Yes. Exactly. I don't. I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. So I, I don't know. I, I think that would have been a great fight to make. That would have been a good fight. And I mean, I don't know if the timing. And I guess probably it's too soon because GSP did look pretty lean. I don't know how he could get to 185 by that time. But you know, it looks like because Amanda Nunes isn't going to be ready to fight, or at least Holly Holmes not going to be ready to fight, or however you want to look at it, um, that fight's not going to happen. And because yeah. of it, it looks like that fight is not happening. He did look kind of lean, like he was hoping that a certain fight would happen. Yeah, he, oh, or something. he looked very lean. He looked like he was getting down <laughs> to 155. Yeah, but that would have been cool because, dude, you can't tell me that GSP versus Anderson Silva wouldn't sell at a stadium by itself. Like, dude, you could just 
announce that and it sells out a stadium, especially in Brazil. If it was in Brazil or Canada, I mean, I would think it could sell out a stadium anywhere between the name power there, but at least in, in Brazil or Canada it would have sold out. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think there was an option there, but I guess it just didn't make sense. Um, it is it is a shame to watch watch him walk away. I mean, uh, the guy is is. Uh, I was kind of thinking about it, man. I guess there's probably some fans that are newer to the sport that haven't really seen him fight that much and don't really understand his position in the sport and kind of what he means all time to the sport. I mean, if you've come to the UFC in the last uh, five years or so as a fan, you probably don't really know, and that's understandable. I mean, uh, but the run that the guy went on was just incredible. I mean, you look at his career as a whole. I mean, the only two losses ever he avenged, of course. Matt Hughes, it was too early in his career to fight Matt Hughes when, when he first got that fight. He he matured, he grew, yeah. he came. And, and, and that was Matt, when Matt Hughes was destroying oh, everything. That's another point that I think Matt that Hughes. people just forget how good Matt Hughes was. I mean, uh, you know, if anything, uh, you know, un- Matt had the unfortunate accident, you know, and they see well, Matt and maybe people don't remember how he was before that incident. Matt in the day was just—he was such a powerful beast, Dominant. and and this was a dude. I remember when uh, I want to say the last time they fought. Uh, I mean, GSP was getting booed. Yeah, you know, against Matt Hughes and people that do know GSP. It's kind of funny when you think about it, you're like GSP getting booed, but that's how big Hughes was. I mean, Hughes was like the the U.S. boy, you know, and this was U.S. against Canada and stuff. And but Matt was just destroying dudes. So to see. You yeah. got to put it in context to that era. Yeah, and that's it's so funny because I was uh, doing the video for the daily debate stuff today, and it was looking at some of GSP's victory, and it was uh, that Matt Hughes fight. It was BJ Penn, sure, and that's another one that even when you listen to the call, uh, you you you're hearing Joe and everybody kind of just talk about the fact of these were two guys that were so far in so advance. True of the sport at the time. So true. You know, that when you see him now, you're like, oh, were they ever really that good? Like, people might look at BJ and see what happened against Ryan Hall, but Ryan Hall's a freak of nature when it comes. But people maybe forget about the fact of how good BJ was because they didn't see it, you know, and they could forget about Matt. But to think about, let alone when GSP first came out, um, wasn't the greatest, you know, or or maybe just wasn't anywhere near where he eventually was going to get in terms of what his skills eventually got to. Then it just got to a point where nobody could touch this guy, Mm -hmm. that the biggest super fight that they could ever think about was GSP and Anderson Silver. They're like, that's the fight that has to happen. That was before there was the, you know, Connors and the, you know, let's got to have Connor and Khabib, or we got to have John Jones fight so-and-so, you know. That was the super fight. That That was was Super I mean, fight. there were no other like super fights that anybody ever talked about, like because one, they never the whole idea, the concept of a of a super fight didn't really exist. Right. You know that, and I mean, when BJ it started P- tossing BJ it around, Penn jumped around, yeah. But that was just BJ Penn jumping around, like it wasn't yeah. dominant champion versus dominant right. champion, like cleaned out division, cleaned out division. That was super fight, not I just won a title and now want to win two, so I'm moving up. I mean, right. those are okay, they're super fights because they're interdivisional fights or whatever, but no. Had that fight come together, dude, that talk was super fight. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what uh, – when TJ going down to fight Henry Cejudo, and there's no offense to those two gentlemen because I, I absolutely think they're both phenomenal fighters and wonderful people as well, but when you look at that, they build that as a super fight. Yeah. 
that's on a whole nother fucking level. That's not close to what this it's was trying to do. It's a great fight. It's a great fight. Great fighters, but that happen to be in different yes. divisions. People aren't going to tell stories a super like when, fight. especially when GSP and Anderson, when they were originally talking about that. Was, that's the shit I could see. People were like, if Bards still existed, like the the songwriters <laughs> of, of long ago. That's the shit they would write, and they would tell on the road as they're passing from town to town. The traveling minstrels would say, sit down, let me tell you the story of one spider, a man from a foreign <laughs> country who just devours everybody in front of him. But let me tell you the story of the shiny knight from the land of maple syrup who <laughs> plans with his sticky hands to take over the spider. <laughs> and will we'll devour the spider. Who will win? Will evil triumph over good, or will good fall Please, to good nature? Please, continue on. <laughs> Tell me. And then you spin the story on his lovely lute or a random other stringed instrument. Oh, my God. So. God, I just want you to keep talking about that and tell the whole story. Well, it didn't happen. So I like know, but, that, but that, that's the kind of shit that happened. Nobody's going to go and be telling stories of these random no, uh, other other going to do that. I promise you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know it's it's it is the true though. Sticky hands. <laughs> it's so true though. And, you know, it, just going back through the record, uh, it, it kind of I was kind of trying to think of like my favorite memories and that sort of thing. You start looking at his record, man. GSP, there's there's no fight in there where you just go like, who? Like I don't remember that. Bisping, Hendrix, Diaz, Condit, Shields, Koscheck, <laughs> Hardy, Owls, Penn, Fitch, Sarah, Hughes, Koscheck, Hughes, yeah. Penn, Shirt, Trigg, Mayhem, Miller. You got to go all the way back to Dave Strasser in 2005. Who? And if you're a hardcore fan, you know who Dave Strasser <laughs> is. But where I can at least excuse a casual for going, I don't know who Dave Strasser is. I would get that. But that also was not in the UFC. Jay Huron, Carl Parisian, those were his other two UFC opponents. Even outside the UFC, Pete Spratt. I mean, get, come on, man. The guy fought everybody. everybody. That's pretty impressive. And now it's funny because you go through that list and you're like, wow, that is such an impressive list. I can already see people chiming in in their in their heads listening like, well, he really didn't win that fight. He didn't win that fight. That Hendricks fight, he didn't win that fight. You he know probably, what's funny is? probably should have lost that contest fight. Just, you know? So when I got here, uh, I, I, you know, you were doing some work when I first got here. And so I said, you know, I'm going to sit down and rewatch that. that the Hendricks one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that fight was so close. And it basically, yeah. it all comes down to how you score round one. And I can see that. Holy shit. You, how did you score it that close. night? That night, I think I was doing the playoff. I honestly don't remember, but I looked at myself, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I was doing the playoff, and I, I scored it for Hendrix yeah. live, but rewatching it. I think it should have been GSP. Yeah, I, think I, GSP I don't was know. The right call. I don't know if I've ever went back and rewatched, but I know I was working uh, that night, and on as much as I could pay attention working that night, I thought Hendricks took it. Yeah, you know, uh, and even at the end, you know, we there's that shot that's on uh, the sports images or somewhere on I'm sure we put on Junkie or whatever. There was the elation in in Hendrix's face, and in the background, you kind of see George like, "What the hell was right. that?" What you know, just go through, and that's. You know, one of those images I remember thinking, like, that's it. Hendricks realizes he did enough, and GSP's like, oh, what happened? And then when it didn't happen, I was just like, huh. Heartbreak. Really? Heartbreak. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, you, you, it's hard to, to take away from what the guy did, but, and you touched upon it earlier. Um, GSP always, for me, was that guy that, uh, he was the martial artist. He was the respectful guy. You didn't, 
you know, he wouldn't be pushed into talking shit. That's right. You know, like you might say whatever, Bisping tried his hardest, you know, and George would just laugh, you know. But And I'm sure guys tried it before, even before then, but he was always this guy that was perceived as like the martial arts. He'd come out in his gi, you know, and he's doing his thing. And it's just like, wow, like I love the way he bowed to his opponents before. he bow afterwards, you know, and it just – he seemed to me like he was – he was one of the good guys yes. in the sport, you know, and you so you can kind of feel uh, you don't want that to ever go away in this particular sport. I mean, the more guys that come in and have that respect to the martial arts, respect of their opponent, don't ever really get to the point where they're like, oh, I need to sell. That's the That should be the promoter's job, not the fighters to go out and do it, but I get it why the fighters go out yeah, and do it. Yeah, you want to take an active role you know, in your... You want, to, you want to shape your bit. You, yeah. you want to build your brand. You want to push it out and make it easy for somebody to promote, but uh, there's something that's still uh, beautiful about guys that just uh, take it for the martial arts side and kind of are able to separate a little bit from the showbiz. Yeah. And luckily his talent and the way that his career and the wins that he did it was easy for that to shape the, 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 the direction of where his career was going in the fights. Yeah. It's a little bit tougher for other guys. You know, it's it's one thing to be a great honorable martial arts, but if you're not getting the fights put in front of you to put on these displays that will help shape your career, I can see why you have to do what you have to do to kind of force it that way. And in this day and age, you know, the the it's, talking it's mouth and sells, the loudest it's mouth and what sells the most get most gets the fights you know unfortunately there's but. no question about it and he he went down a different road man he handled himself with a professionalism I, you know if there was a criticism i guess cuz we're you know we're not trying to say uh this this was the perfect martial artist, the perfect fighter. This is the per- I mean, the guy didn't die. We can we can criticize. Him. He's just retiring, right? We don't have to right. be all good. Where there was criticism. <laughs> <laughs> there is criticism of uh, you know. I mean, he did have a ton of decisions. You know, he did he did. Yeah. But I mean, they were generally pretty dominant and pretty controlling. Uh, and he was again facing the top level competition of his day. Um, you know, I guess if you were going to add, you know, if you were going to start making arguments about greatest of all time, maybe that would be one of the ones you'd levy against him, as he didn't get the amount of finishes that you might expect out of, you know, some other people. Yeah. That, you know, I get that. I get that. And but I think that's, I think that's a fair criticism. It is but, fair, but it doesn't take away from who he was. I mean, the guy, what he accomplished as a martial artist, is, yeah. is incredible. And I can tell you, know, people always ask, oh, where's the, where's the best place you've ever watched a fight? What's the most memorable, dude? I've said it before, but I mean, this is the perfect time to say it again. GSP fighting at the Bell Center, mm-hmm. unbelievable. In Montreal, the arena is huge. It's it's twenty thousand people. Um, it's built very vertically, um, so the, the the you know because it's designed basically for hockey. And you're trying to get people on top of the ice as, as much as you can. So it's very very vertical, um, and the different levels are kind of stacked right on top of one each other. And because of that, the acoustics are just incredibly, incredibly loud. And those were some some special, special evenings, man. There's no question about it. Just the, the energy that was in the building was nuts. Um, of course, he also uh, was at USC 129, which was the, the first stadium show in Toronto. That one I always said, if you were there that night, anybody that was in the building that night would probably agree. I mean, visually, it was stunning, man. Like to, I, I remember before they let us – you know, down to media row, they brought us up to the press box. And they held us there for a little bit, but there was an overhead view from the press box. And I think the, the UFC actually published some photos and stuff there. And just, it was stunning to see, you know, the number of chairs and seats and, and all that stuff. It was, it was really cool. The atmosphere for the fight wasn't as amazing just because the stadium was so big and loud. The crowd wasn't really, really loud and it was kind of spread out. So the atmosphere of the fight wasn't as special 
as the bell center, but visually it was it was something pretty cool. Um, and of course, yeah, man, that Hendricks fight, uh, man, just pins and needles, man, just just razor thin fight. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I I didn't expect a whole lot more out of GSP, but yeah. you know, one or two more fights, I, I, kind of a shame, I guess, that it didn't happen, but. Business, right? You can't let them can't can't let them can't let them come in and, and screw over your guys, man. Yeah. You know, look, hey, look. If I mean, well, shit, I guess if GSP beat Habib, you know that ruins any kind of a Habib Connor rematch. But of course, then that would right away open up GSP Connor. Why do you think right? it ruins it? I mean, because it, does it mean as much if I mean if GSP? Well, I guess it wouldn't. I guess maybe. I, right. I think people still on that one would want to still see if if Connor could redeem himself against Khabib. Yeah. I think even outside of the fact of whether a belt is on the line, That's I, what think, I, was thinking, I think the, that the belt what, or the, I mean, the unbeatable aura, like yeah. like what if what if what Connor if, wanted to come back to Diaz right after that loss? Right. There was like in his mind was like Diaz. Right. I want to fix this. I want to fix this, and I can see where. Connor could want that, but I also see right now it, the bargaining is chip is in in Khabib's favor. Right. So Khabib's like, eh, if I but, want it, I want it. Okay, but, but it wouldn't be. As so I see right. why so, Connor's chirping for other people. But now. let's see, like, if, like if Connor came back, if Con- if Connor, if you, did, and I don't think you do the Connor Khabib rematch right now anyway. We've talked about that before. Yeah. But if you were gonna do it, if it's Connor coming back against the still undefeated, you know, aura of this man, you know, that's amazing. Versus if you're like. I mean, let's say GSP somehow head kicks Habib and the fight's mm-hmm. over, and then you do the rematch between Habib and, and Connor. Then what? Connor Connor's coming back to beat the man that just got knocked the hell out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, I think it takes away from something. Right? I mean, you're right. The personal rivalry is still there. The personal sense of accomplishment is still there. But I don't know. I think it would mean less. I mean, I feel like the Diaz trilogy is always there no matter what. But I feel like it's because of the first two fights and the way they went down and the fact that they went down back-to-back. Yeah. Back. You know what I mean? Like, if they didn't go back-to-back back and then some fights had happened in between and then the results were still the same, I don't know if you'd still be like, oh, I got to see the trilogy. Yeah. I got to see the trilogy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes the same, like, what if you see a fight with Connor and Cowboy and say Cowboy just starches him. Right. What is Connor worth after that? I, I mean, do I you try know. to – is there any even – you don't even want to see Connor Khabib after that. It's because you're just like Connor needs a we're win. just gonna see something else, you know. I mean, so he needs a win bad. He wins. He uh, he needs a win. The UFC needs him to win because they need him to get. In, he needs to right that ship because I think they're feeling that. I mean, good on Connor to kind of he took control of his career and really pushed his his uh, agenda to get what he wanted because. It, I think he realized at some point you lose the shine. You you're gonna get losses, and eventually it's not gonna be to that point. So if without some wins to kind of keep that going, at some point the big crazy crazy multi-million dollar pay-per-view buy events aren't gonna happen if anymore. those fights aren't there because I think people are just like, eh, do I care enough? You know, but that. All leans in line. He's got to keep his nose clean. He's got to do the right thing and so just come out. I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah, I see what you, I see what you did there. Uh, I just meant don't go breaking some fucking windows and don't get in trouble. Uh, don't do some crazy shit. But, uh, uh, you know, because he needs that. The sport, I mean, like, I don't think the sport needs him as much as he needs the sport. Now, I think we've realized that, that uh, Connor's kind of been off doing his own thing. And, look, the UFC's still here. Right. MMA's still happening, you know. Uh, I think it's great when he's there and he's doing his thing, but. I, I think 
he did great for what he's doing. But yeah, you're right. He needs a win. He needs to get going. I mean, I'd love to see a big fight, that cowboy thing. I'd love if he can get the Connor thing. And even outside of it, because then I just feel like we're doing like dream matchups or matchups that are fun. And then I guess I can see why the UFC is like, well, division rankings be damned. Let's just have fun while we're having fun with these guys before we lose them. You know, so I don't know. But to go back to GSP, it'd be sad to see see that uh, all gone. Um, I still think with enough money in short enough time frame, we'll see him again. But um, it's just good. It was good to just good to see him on camera again doing something. Unfortunately, it's for a retirement thing, yeah. you know. But this lately, this just like is he back? Spirits, though, is he coming he? back? Well, is he coming back? You know. But it was good to see him, and he, uh, you know, it's. Good GSP. I mean, it's just uh, he's a good dude. I mean, I love appreciating watching him fight in that uh, Bisping one, man. That was just – I don't know. I remember there were moments watching that fight thinking, like, oh, he's getting tired. Yep. Oh, it's too big for him. Oh, he should have been back sooner. He's just not there. And then to see him pull it out and just – Doing it was like ah, oh, that's why he is the great. Just baited, <laughs> just baited Bisping perfectly. Just in that enough. Sequence, just did man. it perfect, man. I mean, his his mental uh, side of fighting, his as much as he uh, might seem that he's getting beaten on it and and pushed down, his he's got to be one of the smartest fight game guys out there. And his his heart and his belief, and that's why I liked in the presser when he talked about some of his favorite moments. He talked about recovering from the Connor. Uh, I'm sorry, the Carlos Condit head kick you know and he talked about coming back after the sarah loss or whatever i mean like that's cool i like hearing that that instead of just saying oh you know what i'm most proud is when i just torched the division over and over and nobody could touch me you know it was getting over those moments of being humbled and losing and then or getting down and then finding that strength to kind of persevere and prove to himself that he was what he could do and did what he did you know i mean it's i loved hearing that and and then hearing him articulate it and say it all again and then realizing that man we might we might not see him in this this form again you know it was you gotta think he'd be, a, sad. he'd be a phenomenal analyst i mean and and i don't mean so much i like not somebody that i would want like on the call of a fight i mean more like in a studio like just in a studio or maybe doing like what trevor's doing you know as, as a well, I, just every once in a while go to that guy that's you can give some That's insight it. on something. I don't need to hear him. I don't need to hear him talking for hours on end. And maybe he'll be too yeah. expensive of a personality to do this. But you gotta think he's gonna continue training, so he's always gonna be up yeah. on the latest techniques, the latest developments. He's always gonna. And this, the psychology and the strategy, as you said, man, one of the most cerebral, smartest fighters in the game. Yeah, I, I don't want to see. Him. I don't want him to do like color commentary. Like I don't want him to be. Daniel Cormier. I don't want him to be Dominic Cruz. I don't want him to be Paul Felder. You know, I don't want to. I don't want him to be that guy. But yeah, as you said, a Trevor Whitman almost is almost better. Where yeah. we're just we're just going to him in spots because yeah. we know that if 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 we need some insight, this guy's got it. And and I mean, I, I think he's gonna want to be around yeah. the game. Imagine. I'm, I know he's. Wants, I know he wants to get involved a lot with. Uh, I think. Uh, the Toronto MMA game, or or just the Canadian MMA mm-hmm. game, whether it be youth or whatever. Imagine if the the PI, if they want to bring on some staff and actually bring on an actual technique coach or something that can be lean on. Imagine if you knew in advance so and so is coming and you can reserve, and if this he's on a retainer with the UFC, he's like, you know, I'd love to come work with coach. Uh, coach at the the PI if he's available you know and just have him be like okay who's who's on today's roster today oh, oh GSP uh, coach I'll, Pierre's in there I you wonder know? if I wonder if uh 
not that he's like a anti USC guy, but because he's kind of pro union, because he's pro, you know, I wonder he's if they'd pro be big like paycheck. I wonder too. if they'd I mean, be like, eh, but they are kind of they are kind of separate a little him. bit too. So maybe, but I can I can see that. But if he's going in there and he's as an independent contractor, he would be negotiating his own contract. Yeah. So it wouldn't. But be I wonder like if they're typical. like, ah, we don't we don't really need his influence on these people. I could see. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens, George. Maybe I think he'll be around the game. Speaking of uh, uh, Paul Felder as a name, uh, man, Paul Felder. This uh, lasting issues from uh, from UFC Phoenix this past week. UFC on ESPN One. Uh, we did not get to do an and a half show. Unfortunately, it was very late Sunday night when we finished working. Uh, but it was out, it point, was also out of respect because Felder couldn't do the press. We were like, yeah, we probably like, shouldn't. Well, we we shouldn't probably do that. No, basically do it was work. Uh, <laughs> and then by that time I did figure, you know what, normally uh, it's a Sunday and maybe we could sneak something in, uh, but there's going to be so many Monday shows coming out. But you know what? It did It did give me uh, an inspiration that because I love talking post-fight talk, man. What's going on? So here's my commitment moving forward. I am going to find a way to do a post-fight of some kind, a little and-a-half episode, um, even if it's just kind of a mini-episode, even if it's me solo, you know, if you're if you're still stuck editing video or whatever the case may be, because obviously um, that gets pretty time-consuming, man, just the, the amount of, of work that you have to do and, and, and the amount of time it takes. But I want to do something. Um, so hopefully people will be okay with that, even if it's just me talking solo. I feel bad talking solo because, as we all know, Cold Coffee is really the MMA expert. I'm just kind of here to to set up the bard. Don't, if you look at my past record, <laughs> not not my current record. I mean, you're the the 2018, 2018 MMA has been picks champion. I'm the has been champion. Uh, so I, I, but you know, so if people are okay with me talking solo, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something like that and. Um, I don't know. Maybe we, I, I'd like to get the Patreon thing going again. Maybe we do something over there where it's like a like, subscribe for like a dollar a month or something. I don't know. We're gonna figure it out. I, it's not the full podcast. I don't want to. You know, I don't want people to tune in and not hear you and be like, I hate this. I tune in because I like John Morgan and cold coffee. And if it's just <laughs> me by myself, maybe they get bored and hate it. But if it, if we're doing like little mini shows for the Patreon and it's our it's our it's our family, I know they won't hate me. So. Uh, we'll figure out. But I'm, I'm going to start that with uh, UFC Prague. I'm making that commitment right now. UFC Prague will have a post-fight show, a little and a half. And it may just be me. It might just be me. Hopefully people are okay with that. And yeah. I mean, if you're at your house, I'm, dig that. it would just be you. Well, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to drive all the way over here. But you can Yeah, we'll figure it out. Here. If not, yeah, you could always call me. Because, yeah, when, when would that happen? Because uh, it just depends. Probably just immediately after the fights. Well, I'm just, no, I'm just trying. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think if I have to, if I would be editing any see? other stuff. That's why it makes it so hard. Yeah, because you're the producer. <laughs> I gotta have my producer in. So we'll we'll see what's going on. Uh, I, I did want to say though, man, Paul Felder, uh, best wishes to him. But uh, one week later, or five days later, have you figured out what happened with Nagano versus Velasquez yet? Is there is there a is is there oh. a, a is there a, a, an agreed upon uh, sequence of events of how this fight ended because he got man, we were debating we were debating it in the press room and yeah. I feel like people are still debating it. He got clocked. I mean, I think they still debated. I mean, yes, I think his leg gave out, but um, you could see that his head snapped back a little bit. And we've seen when people get the little stanky leg after they get a little shot. So I think what happened was that he got he got he got hit. I think his leg went a little stanky leg, and then it gave out. I agree. In that moment of where he was trying, it was the leg was trying to step to the side, and and gather where it was, and then the knee was just like, uh. I mean, it's hard to 
discount the fact that the when he did sort of go down, his knee went down and looked that look on his face. I could tell that his knee definitely tweaked him. Definitely. Um, but to think that he was going for, a, say, a takedown and then the leg gave out, it didn't look like that to me. It looked like he took a shot. And uh, we've we've seen what uh, a shot of, of Nganu's uh, on people's chin, what it does to their body. I it, To me, I think that uh, – the leg certainly went out, but I think it was after in in uh, response to taking the shot on the chin. Um, I think it just tweaked, uh, you know, when he went out, and then it it must have hit a tender moment. But I mean, he definitely sort of I don't even know what you call it, sort of butterflied out when his knees and his legs kind of went out. But without seeing that head hit uh, or snap back. Then I would think, oh, that's weird. Well, you could his see that legs, but you, but since you see do it. see that, I think that there was a hit, and, you know, and it's uh, the that's fact what I that felt at the that, time. that Kane's like, oh, you know, he didn't touch me. It's like, well, obviously now, you, you obviously you were kind of out of it because well, you didn't you didn't feel that. I was you didn't thinking about that hit. since, man, because yeah. you know people were kind of debating. Well, Kane said this, Kane said that, but that's like, and it was funny because I even felt bad kind of asking him the question, but it was so like. None of us were sure that I was hoping he could provide some insight. Yeah. But even in retrospect, like me kind of thinking back to it, I don't normally ask a question like that because yeah. it's like, hey, bro, do you remember getting knocked out? Yeah. Well, nah, that's because I was knocked out. Now, he wasn't out yeah. cold. Right. But even when you're, even when you're wobbled like that, you, you don't remember it. And, and we're yeah. talking about immediately after. It after. I mean, it, so I, I, don't feel like, I don't feel like it was inappropriate to ask because I think we were just hoping for clarification. Yeah. And I do appreciate everything he shared about the status of his knee. He made it clear that that yeah. was a problem. But it, it was kind of a – I don't say a bad question, but it's a difficult question to answer because – Nobody remembers when they were rocked because you can't. Your, your body, your, your brain blocks it out basically. Yeah, and it would have been a, a lot different if post fight he did something and was like, he never touched me. It was just my knee giving out, but he wasn't like that because I would have loved to have seen, you know, to go back to like a Rogan moment. Well, let's watch the video. Show me. <laughs> when, uh, We've got it right here, you, Kane. You see, you see <laughs> your head snap back, but you're saying that the punch didn't hit you there. Uh, you know, <laughs> just what he said in the in oh, the I'd ring. I'd love to see you do that. Yeah, what he said initially in the ring, and then what came out afterwards after, you know, was able to sit and maybe think about it. You know, I think the biggest thing that is his that he remembered from the fight was the pain he felt that when he went down and his knees did right. sort of fly out. And it's hard; to, you can't discount the fact that yes, you could see his legs sort of go out, and he sat no down question. in a very awkward, bad position that I'm sure tweaked his knee, but. uh I think he just forgot that 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 initial part because there had to be some contact. This wasn't it wasn't like the head hit his chest, Francis's chest, and came back. I mean, no. there was a clear separation. Then you see the head snap back. So, if he's saying that that didn't happen, clearly there was a, a misconnect somewhere. Um, so, it's hard to it's hard to not think that there that didn't play some effect. And it was a nice short little sort of uppercut in there, you know, if you will. Or so I don't know. Um, I, I like Kane a lot, but I still think that it was due to Francis. And then that coupled with the fact that he's still recovering. for, Even though he said he felt great, he's 100%, whatever. I mean, the guy's his, his knees have been going bad for a while. And I think coming down the way that he did, I wouldn't recommend for anybody but a gymnast or something that has the flexibility that's used to doing that move. I think that put, probably would have hurt anybody going down in that fashion. Yeah. But what caused him to go down in that fashion wasn't just the fact that his leg gave out. 
It was in reaction, in my mind, to taking the shot that gave him a stanky leg. I agree. I, I uh, And you have to call it stanky you leg. You have to call it stanky leg. <laughs> I have uh, intermittently, uh, over the course of the past few days, by the way, been listening to Crone Gracie's uh, walkout quote-unquote song, which was just five minutes of the purge siren being played over and over, oh, okay. uh, which in retrospect I, I now believe is one of the most gangster walkouts ever. <laughs> At the time, I was like, this is bizarre. And now, it was symbolic. It was symbolic. It was kind of like, symbolic, like the all emergency oops, there services it is. have been halted. Okay, now that <laughs> was a, that words. was no, bro. Was you just I don't w- get it. You just don't get the symbolic. <laughs> it was very symbolic, man. He's that like, he's is like, something I won't be playing over and over. <laughs> I mean, like if you if you're thinking the purge is here, it is. We're gonna come clear all the rubble. We're gonna clear all the the has-beens, the people that's been there before, and let me just kill every one of you on the, on my way to the top. But, you know, and also, too, he's like, I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what it's going to be like. Man, so much. And he's like, uh, whoop, there it is. That's your answer, folks. That's what it was. He went from the high of the purge siren (laughs) to the low of whoop, there it is. I mean, if you could justify why the purge siren was good, you know, then I I can easily (laughs) say at least what the other one was doing. Uh, Vicente Luque, Brian Barberini, grown-ass men, dude. That fight fight was pretty freaking phenomenal. That was awesome. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, I thought looked phenomenal. Andre Feely out Chad Miles Jury, that was great, man. I, I like Andre Feely; he's a good dude. Aljamain Sterling looked phenomenal. Uh, Andrea Lee looked great, man. I thought she looked impressive. Uh, Nick Lance, I was bummed that we didn't get to hear from him because that was a hard-fought fight over yeah. Scott Holtzman. Uh, Luke Sanders had the gutsy comeback, and Emily Whitmire uh, was happy for her. She you know, she trains out of Extreme Couture, so anytime you see somebody like that, that's yeah. in, in the very beginning of their career, and it's somebody that you see every day, you know blood sweat and tears you know grinding to, yeah. to see him succeed is is, is pretty is and especially cool. like especially with her case you know hearing like she's serving tables if she's not training for a That's camp right. or whatever she likes the money but of course you know she'd want to get out of it so it's kind of it's it's these are still people that a, a lot of them on certain portions of the card as they're working their way up are still having to do the nine to five grind still have to do the other things you know they're Part-time fighters, full-time teachers, or whatever, you know. So I always want those people. I want them to do well because I'd love to see the transition to where it get to the point where they're just like, I can walk away from the other stuff and and do this full-time, which I think she kind of is pretty much almost at that point when she is in camp and doing it. But she does – I mean, and I've worked in food. I know you've worked in food. Uh, You know, having that cash in hand after working a couple shifts, like that's – it that's, is nice. That's, that's nice. I mean, that's why food food people that work in food industry. I know some of y'all out there listening to this do. That's why y'all get drunk. You get you have good times because you get that cash in hand. You're like, hey, fuck it. We just worked ten hours. People are killing me right now. Yep. Let's go have some drinks. Let's just blow off the night. Let's just have some fun. And you can do that over and over because you got that cash, man. I'm telling you. So I respect it, but I, I like the idea of still seeing uh, seeing where she's at, but knowing that she's so close. To being able to just say, I don't need to serve anymore. Like, money is good on the other way, where she can do it now. Just for if she could just do it to a point where she's like, eh, you know, I feel like having an extra 500 in cash. Let me work a couple shifts real quick, you know, and get some money and then blow it out. And then then I'll be good and, and I'll go back to training, you know, or something. So I, do. I don't know. But yeah, and she's, I think she's a sweetheart. She's a, she's a cutie pie. Cutie pie. She super is, man. All right, let's get to uh, the, the event this week. UFC on ESPN Plus 3. It is UFC Prague. <laughs> Those names fucking suck. Versus Santos. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny. You know, I see a lot of people on social media like, oh, I'll change the damn names. 
I will say, and I guess it's more. But they for, can't just go and say UFC Prague because then what? UFC then what Prague thirteen, two, two, three, exactly. UFC Prague fourteen. It's the they same. They actually do that in Brazil. Thing. So like in Brazil, like if in just the local market, yeah. they call it like UFC Rio seven at this point. Wow. UFC Rio eight. But it is kind of funny because at least for the U.S. audience, the name of the event is actually a good tune-in reminder. Like it's helpful. You know what I True. mean? Like I can see uh, that. So and and I can tell you that internally because I've seen internal documents. The UFC still does refer to it the same way we do, which is why we do it that way. Yeah. UFC on ESPN plus three, you know. Right. Uh, Remember when they used to, they'd be right now, if it was just like UFC Fight Nights, it'd be like UFC Fight Night 4000 exactly. or something. Exactly. Which internally would suck. It would be bad. So, uh, all right, UFC Prague. But uh, we are not covering that, unfortunately. But uh, Abby Subban and Simon Head are out there in the Czech Republic. And uh, right before I came over here to, uh, to get with cold coffee, I did get – our man Simon Head on the phone and uh, get a little take from on the ground here in uh, Prague. So let's listen to that. This is my conversation with him. We'll kind of do a little event preview with Simon Head, talk about what he's seen so far, what's going on over there, and uh, what to expect out of this weekend's card in Prague. All right, joining us live from the Czech Republic, a man that joined the show recently, but I didn't have a chance to talk to. By the way, thank you for that Bellator coverage, my man. But it is Simon Head out there in Prague soaking it in and – Look, I know you're not exactly on a uh, a tourist trip out there, but but give me a give me a sense. What's uh, what's the city of Prague like? Because uh, I, I've been told by anybody that's ever been there that it's just an absolutely gorgeous city. It is. It's a beautiful place. I'd be lying if I said we've we've seen much of it. But um, we got in late on Wednesday night, and uh, we were straight at it first thing this morning with uh, media day. So it's been it's been pretty much sort of balls to the wall since, since since we've been here but it's it is a beautiful city we're hoping to get out a bit later tonight and check out some of the some of the sights and sounds no doubt you know that's how we do of course we're going to get out and check out the sights and sounds don't say you you hope it's going to happen you know it's going to happen frosty beverage is going to be uh, ingested i assume Absolutely. And we've discovered that there is actually a Hooters within 10 minutes walk from here. So we, we may purely, purely for comparative purposes, have to go there. Also, the, you know, the renowned people who listen to this show know that Hooters is renowned for their outstanding Wi-Fi. So we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to go and uh, check that out as a, as a backup location if we need some, uh, some extra uploading facilities later on in the week. We know that that's our go-to place. Yeah, surely just for the technological advances. All right, let's let's talk about uh, the scene there. I mean, uh, you guys got through with media day today. I know you've been uh, busting your ass on that, but you know something that kind of came up in our conversations earlier, and I wanted to get a little further insight. Um, you know, the, of course, this is the UFC's debut, first time in Prague, but um, it sounds like they had a pretty decent local media turnout. So, g- give me an idea what the scene was like. Are, are the locals turned out? I mean, is there some some real interest for, for the UFC here? There really is. I mean, when we got here, I, honestly, I was expecting to be, you know, maybe maybe four or five different outlets here at most. And, you know, sometimes when you go to some of the smaller, smaller shows in smaller markets, sometimes it's just you, John. I've seen I've seen <laughs> how it is on Press Row on Fight Night. And I, I wondered if it might be a little bit like that. And we spoke to uh, we spoke to some of the UFC PR staff and they said that they were expecting about 80 to 100 media staff uh, wow. from 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 media outlets. And. We were like, really? Is it really going to be that many? Media day was packed, but it ran really smoothly. It was really good. The uh, the host broadcasters, Nova Nova TV here, were, you know, they had a strong strong presence here. They were doing plenty of stuff, um, and uh, they seemed to be really up for this. I mean, I was talking to uh, 
to the UFC's Dave Shaw earlier today. And it's a bit different, this show, compared to when the UFC normally pitches up in a new market because, for example, when you know they, they came to the UK for the first time, or, and but also whenever they go back there, they're able to throw a load of uh, UK fighters onto the card. Uh, and you see it everywhere they go. They like to get local fighters on the card. Well, looking at the main card, we've got one representative of the Czech Republic on this card in, in, in Lucy Pudilova. So they haven't got that that huge uh, group of fighters that they can put on the card. So they've had to build a card that's going to suit the Czech Republic. And uh, what we've got is a, a card full of interesting matchups that maybe aren't what you would call A-list matchups that you'd see on, on pay-per-views, some of them. But I think we're going to have an entertaining night of fights on Saturday. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up. And I, I kind of am curious about it because, you know, in the, in the build-up to this card, you know, I saw a lot of fans and, and, and European media kind of speculating what kind of, you know, Czech fighters the UFC might be wanting to bring in for this fight. And I guess, you know, maybe the fact that ticket sales just went so swimmingly for it, they thought, well, we don't need to add anybody. You know, we got what we need. And I kind of wonder if that ends up being more a positive than negative because, you know, we've talked about it in the U.K., we've talked about it in Brazil, other markets. I mean, there's no question that local fans want to see their local fighters, right? I mean, they want to have their guys or their girls to cheer for. But at the same time, you know, I think a lot of USC fans don't want to see the people they've seen fought on their regional scene in a UFC cage. They want this talent from other locations to come into them, you know, people that they've seen on TV, people that they've watched. And so I, I wonder if maybe what seems kind of weird might end up being a positive because these fans, you know, again, we're not talking about huge superstars on this card, but at least they're going to be seeing talent from all over the region rather than you know, what I think sometimes ends up being kind of a regional card taking place in the UFC cage. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you take a look down the fight card, you know, we've got a widespread of weight classes. We've got the women's flyweight division all the way up to, to seven foot tall Stefan Struve in the co-main event. So, you know, we've got a good spread of, 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 uh, of weight classes. We've got fighters from all over the world. We've got Brazilians, Americans, a load of Europeans, obviously, on the card as well. Um it's almost as if this is like a like a tasting platter for the you know for the Czech Republic market. It's a little yeah. bit of everything on here. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's talk about the guys that you you spoke to at uh, Media Day. I'll kind of go in reverse order. You know, we, get, we the, the main event we know about, but I, I thought the guys that stole the show, and maybe it's just me, were John Dotson and Peter Yan. I mean, from the from the from the fun face off with you know, of course, Dotson's always going to smile and have fun with it. But Peter had a little uh, a little nonverbal shade, I think is the way I use it in, in the headline. But I, I thought that was a great way to kick it off. And to me, a meaningful fight. And you know, listen, I know. Peter isn't the most, uh, you know, outspoken guy, but uh, I think the way I phrased it in the story I wrote up from your interview is that he makes his words count. You know what I mean? He doesn't say a lot, but he said that TJ Dillashaw needs you to defend or vacate. You know, he doesn't say a lot, but he said he's getting tired of John Lineker and, he, and he's sick of, of the guy always, you know, fighting easier opponents. But um, to me, I don't know, this was the one that kind of uh, captivated me. Is, is it the same for you? Absolutely. I think, I think this is the fight that if, if, if Peter Yang can get the win, I think you're going to see him sort of fast-tracked up that bantamweight division and you're going to see him in some big fights because he's got something about him. Uh, as you say, he doesn't say much, but he's got something about him and uh, he's a very, very exciting fighter. I mean, I've, I've watched him fighting for ACB uh, before he got called up to the, uh, to the UFC. Um, and he, he's had some absolute wars in ACB. Anybody on YouTube can look up his fight with, uh, I think it was Magomed Magomedov mm. in, uh, in ACB, an absolute barn burner of a fight. And um, 
he's got a really interesting test because he's up against Dodson, who he's like grease lightning, isn't he? He's very, very hard to catch in, in, in the octagon and, and, and to catch him clean. So that's going to be a real test for him. And as you say, you know, it's a real clash of personalities and, uh, it's always nice on on uh, media day when you you know you get the stare downs. You sort of look down the list of the matchups, and we said beforehand, you know, we're not going to get too much here in terms of aggravation or trash talk or anything like that. But um, you know, Dodson and Yan gave us a little bit of personality, and you know, we're very grateful for that. And it gave us a nice little headline for the site. It was, I think, it's going to be a very interesting fight to watch as well. Yeah, I, I'm really really intrigued by it. A great clash of styles. I mean, Dodson. Um, when he's on, man, he's capable of fighting anybody. And, and Jan, as you said, man, I think this is the potential that he be his kind of breakout moment. That division is getting so fun, man. To add his name to the top of it, uh, I think would just be uh, even more exciting. So that's that's honestly, I got to be, you know, probably the one fight I'm most intrigued for uh, outside the main event. I did want to ask you about uh, Liz Carmouche versus, by the way, the woman that I used to call, and, I, and actually I still probably will, Lucy Pudilova is the way I've always said her name. But it was funny, last week uh, in Phoenix, they were running the uh, the pre-fight videos for for this card, and I'm sure you'll probably get to see it at the weigh-ins tomorrow. But the uh, the local promo, they kind of they they threw the local flavor into her name, and I now know that in Czech, I guess it's Lucia Pudilova. So uh, I I I I've been corrected there, but I wanted to ask what kind of uh, I guess draw. I mean, knowing that they had a big turnout was was Pudilova or, or Pudilova, if you will. Was she getting the the local star treatment? I mean, she's not uh, you know a, a huge long term vet, but she is somebody that's been in a couple scraps. Um, was she getting the the, the the hometown rub, or was she just another person there at the media day? I, I definitely think she was getting a, you know a fair bit of attention. I think normally what happens on a media day is people will flock towards the two main eventers and the big local star. And I think when, when me and uh, Abby Saban, who's, uh, who's been uh, absolutely killing it with the video edits at this end, uh, when we looked along the line of, um, of fighters, Lucy actually had quite a few, quite a few people around her early on in, in media day. So definitely there's, a, you know, there's, some, there's some local attention there. And you know, being the one Czech Republic fighter on the card, you know, there is quite a lot of expectation on her, I think. And uh, I don't know whether it's because she's just a, li- a little bit nervous in front of the media or whether she's just a little bit anxious. But I think that came across a little bit in the interview. She did seem a little bit, a little bit twitchy, a little bit anxious. Um, compare that with Liz Carmouche, who, you know, no one's been in the UFC in, in uh, women's MMA longer than Liz Carmouche. She's, she's the very first woman to ever set foot inside the UFC octagon as a fighter. And, uh, you know, six years, it's going to be a six-year anniversary of that of that particular occasion on fight night this Saturday. So uh, should be looking to mark that with a win. That's amazing. That's a great footnote. I always kind of love that trivia piece. Carmouche, you know, yes, she lost that night, but she damn near beat Ronda Rousey, and she was actually uh, the blue corner, so she got to walk in there first. Uh, all right, let's talk about John Vellante, who uh, – I mean, <laughs> you know you're always going to have fun with John Vellante, but then you add in Chris Weidman, and uh, Chris Weidman decided to to be a New York interpreter for your British English, and then at one point decided to just take over your job and, and be a reporter. Um, <laughs> get, 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 let, let us know what happened there before the before the cameras rolling, and, and maybe just kind of what you're thinking about this this fight against. You know, uh, let's be honest, kind of an unknown uh, in Oleksijic, but a, a guy that's returning from a drug suspension. And uh, Weidman and Vellante had no problem talking about that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Jan Vellante was actually the last the last guy we got to uh, on media day. And 
it was kind of funny. I was just standing there. We were waiting to talk to, to John and uh, it just occurred to me that definitely more than 50% of the people we interviewed today had translators with them. <laughs> and I just, I just turned to Abby and said, you know, John, John Volante doesn't have a translator. He's, you know, you think he's feeling a bit left out. So I, I just grabbed Chris Wyburn and said, how do you feel about being his translator? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This will be fun. So camera starts rolling, asked a couple of questions. And uh, I think Chris eased into the role and uh, decided he could do better than me and then did. And, and, and uh, has now put me out of a job. So I'm, I'm, I'm off down the job centre tomorrow. Um, Chris will be doing all the post-fight interviews and uh, filing copy. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, this is probably my last ever appearance on the road show. Chris Wyman will be on next time. But, no, it, it, it was great fun. And, uh, you know, him and, him and John obviously go, go way back. And they're always, they're always uh, picking each other's nose behind the camera, you know, in front of the camera, as, as I did last time I saw John on camera. Um, There's all sorts of crazy stuff happening when, when those two are around. And, uh, yeah, Wyman loved it. At one point, it was, it was something I didn't manage to catch on camera, sadly. Uh, during media day, we were queuing up. I think we were queuing up to talk to John Dodson, and uh, we had uh, John Volante was was just sitting there waiting for someone to interview him, and there was a queue of people queuing up to talk to Chris Wyburn, who <laughs> happened to be standing next to him. So it was it was like Chris was having his own personal media day there, and uh, John is actually the one who's getting in the cage this weekend. Was just sitting there, sort of twiddling his thumbs for a couple of minutes. It was kind of funny, but um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight, you know, Mikhail Alexichuk. I think he's had one fight in the UFC. That was it was it, he won, and then it was taken off him as a no contest. Right. And uh, and uh, but yeah, Volante. You know, I asked him about his uh, his split decisions. He's had four in a row now, uh, two wins, two losses, and uh, <laughs> and then Wyvern just sort of half buried me and then buried him. And sort of said, <laughs> "What the hell's going on? What the hell's going on with you? What's going on with these split decisions?" But you know, he just wants to, he just wants to knock him out and go and drink beer, and I think we can all appreciate that sentiment. Absolutely, man. That John Vellante is a roadshow favorite, and he means it. That's all he wants to do is just knock out and go drink beer. But uh, it was funny, man. It was a great interaction. I, I definitely recommend anybody get a chance to, to watch it. Dude saw an MMA junkie or the YouTube because uh, if ever there was a guy that didn't mind somebody stealing the spotlight, it's it's John Vellante when he's talking about Chris Weidman especially. So uh, th- those guys are pretty good. The co-main event, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, Stefan Struve. Um, man, I mean, I- interesting clash of characters, right? I mean, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima uh, ha- had the problems making weight, finally moved up to heavyweight. Doesn't look like he didn't belong there, to be honest with you. Just a big thick dude i mean big hands big shoulders big big thighs i mean the guy is is massive and then stefan struve it's just i don't care how many times you're around him until you stand next to that seven foot frame man you just you just forget how incredibly big he is um stefan the guy that's you know in the beginning of his career said he was going to fight 50 times in the ufc and he was so young you know, I thought he, I thought he might be able to do it, but he's, you know, he's had these health issues. He's, he's had, I, you know, I think maybe some confidence issues over the years. He, he toyed around with the idea of retiring at one point. Uh, I, I, I'm really intrigued by this matchup. I know it might not mean a whole lot in the standings themselves, but just a clash of, of styles and 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 what it means for each in their career. I, I am pretty intrigued by it. Um, what, what did you kind of take out of? Uh, first of all, just to stare down today and, and seeing those two massive dudes next to each other and then, um, you know, just uh, talking to them both. It's crazy. I mean, Marcus Ruggiero de Lima, uh, if you just looked at the uh, 
the video of the face-off, she would think that, that, that he was just an average-sized man. He's not. He's six foot two, <laughs> and he's a he's a big six foot two. You know, he's he's absolutely solid. And uh, standing up against Stefan Struve, it just it's it's cartoonish. Whenever and and I mean this in the nicest possible way, yeah. you can't stand next to Stefan Struve and not look ridiculous, even if you're a six foot two uh, monster from Brazil like Marcus Rogério de Lima. He yeah. looked dwarfed by Struve so you've got you know the visual the you know the uh, the visual impact is there already that's going to be an interesting thing on fight night but I think I think there's you know there are some high stakes in this fight that are maybe not not immediately on the surface I mean you've got Marcus Ruggiero de Lima who has tried to forge a career as a light heavyweight and has come up against problems against the scale as much as anything else and has now moved up to, to heavyweight and he seems he seems very relaxed about the fact he's now at heavyweight. He doesn't have to worry about cutting weight anymore. He feels like he, I think he feels much more comfortable in his own skin right now, but they've given him the biggest heavyweight on the roster in Stefan Struve. So he's got himself a big, big test in front of him. And he's got this Muay Thai kickboxing style um, where, and Struve sort of very, very clearly sort of explained all this to me when I spoke to him, Rogero de Lima, he likes to stand up close and, and throw short, short shots. Whereas Struve, he needs to use he needs to use his jab. He needs to use his kicks and keep it at length, which is something that, for a guy his size, he probably hasn't done well enough in his career. I think he probably would have more wins if he if he used his uh, his, his height and his reach and his his range a little bit better. But Struve's coming into this on a three fight losing streak, um, and we all know that you know losing streaks in the UFC put you on slightly dodgy ground. And uh, he tried to he tried to brush it off a little bit when I asked him. He said that. You know, there were extenuating circumstances for a couple of those defeats. and uh, But he, he, he seemed pretty confident and he seemed relatively relaxed heading into this one. But, you know, I would I, I would guess that defeating this one is kind of out of the question for him. Four in a row is a is a tough one to deal with. And uh, But Marcos Rogero de Lima, he, he seems in a good place himself. He's, he's a lot more relaxed. Um, and, it, you know, it's one of those classic fights where whoever controls the range will control the fight. It's... Uh, it's going to be an interesting one, and I, I very much doubt it's going to go that far. I'll, I'll be amazed if it gets past the midway. If the uh, if the sort of the the under over is sort of halfway through the second round, I would expect it to be done by then. So, yeah, I agree. I, I think this card could definitely end with fireworks in the main in the, in the co-main event, and then of course the main event as well. I mean, what of what an unlikely main event. I mean, just the idea of putting these two guys together, Jan Blahovic and, and, and Tiago Mejeta Santos. I mean, just the idea of these two fighting, you know, a year ago, two years ago, just wouldn't even make any damn sense. And then to add to that, uh, the stakes. I mean, this is a meaningful fight. I mean, Jan, you know, uh, two years ago looked like he was he was done, like he was just aging in front of our eyes, or or, or you know, I don't know what it was, but he just w- was not getting the wins that we thought he was capable of when we saw him fighting on the European scene. And then, meanwhile, Maheta, yes, he's always um, you know been on an upward slant. He's had some setbacks along the way, but not at two hundred five. And now you see the guy at 205, and, and I don't know, it's kind of one of those like Anthony Johnson approaches where when they move up a division, you're like, how the hell did they ever make the other division, you know, because Maheta is not a small man. So, um, I mean, oh, this fight, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this fight. It's, it's meaningful. Um, give me an idea kind of what you took out of talking to these guys today. And, uh, I mean, do you have a lean one way or the other? Because, you know, Again, like I said, it's crazy. Maheta, you you would think the guy moving up would be the one that you know had the bigger challenge, but but I don't I don't know that that's true. 
I think it's a coin flip fight. I really do. I mean, you've got you got you know Tiago is it's it's a fascinating story. He's been in the UFC for five and a half years, um, and it's only now he's moved up to two hundred five, and he's only had two fights at two hundred five. Yep. He's never been closer to a world title shot than he is right now, and he's only had two fights in the weight class. It's insane. And uh, yeah, for a guy who used to fight at one seventy, you know, we're almost in Anthony Johnson uh, territory again. How you know you sort of, you know as you say, but it's. And he's, he's such a destructive striker. But then, on the other side of the coin, you've got Jan Blachowicz, who, pound for pound, might be one of the, the toughest men in the UFC. Um, he, his ability to take punishment and just keep coming forward. Uh, at that weight class as well, you know, they, you know, they're not tickling each other at 205. You know, we've got some big, heavy guys throwing some heavy leather at each other. And, you know, Jan's been in there with, with Jimmy Manor, who's one of the most destructive strikers in that weight class. And Manuel couldn't finish him on either occasion. That that should tell you everything you need to know. He's gone the distance with him twice. Um, he's in the best form of his career. He's won four in a row. He, he says it's all down to the fact he's reunited with his old coach, um, which I think he's referenced in, in previous interviews with us uh, a little bit earlier on in his win streak. Um, and you've got Thiago. He's sort of found his sweet spot at 205. And it really is a case of sort of you pay your money, take your choice. Do you go with the seasoned guy who... You know, he's, he's, he's done the hard yards at 205. He's been in there with some of the best in the world at 205. And, you know, the last time he got finished, John, was back in 2011. Uh, Sokaju stocked him. I think it, I think it was a, a retirement on the stall at yeah. the end of the, end of the second round yeah. in KSW. And he avenged that loss two fights later. So, you know, we're talking, I think it's about 15 fights since then. Um, and he hasn't been stopped. And he's been in with some good, good opposition. So... To expect Thiago Santos to come in there and just dust him quickly um, is it might be a bit of a stretch. Then you've got yourself a very scary contender. And you know the other point with these with, with both of these fighters, if you take Anthony Smith out of the equation because he's fighting uh, John Jones next weekend, right. these are the top two highest ranked guys at two hundred five who haven't yet fought for the belt. Um, and you know, in the spirit of keeping the division moving and introducing new new people to the top of the division. The winner of this is going to have a pretty strong claim for, if not a title fight, then certainly a title eliminator next time round. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really pivotal fight for the division. It's a pivotal fight for both guys. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too, man. I I, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I think those top two fights could end in fireworks. Um, listen, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I did want to kind of just get your, your take on, on prelims anything that's standing out you know, it's, it's funny i mean i'm not gonna lie look I, I you know these cards they 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 load up on us i mean it's one week after the other after the other after the other and you kind of forget what's on them but i, I was sitting down this morning and, and really kind of uh you know pr preparing myself for the interviews the, that you guys were going to be sending over and, and and really digging into the card i tell you what it, it's not names that people are going to love but the first part of those prelims, the way they kick off, the records that these guys have, 15-1 uh, Yoel Alvarez versus 17-2 Demir Ishmagulov, 14-2 Diego Fajera versus 23-3 Hustam Habilov, 17-2 Ishmael Nardia versus 26-2 Michelle Prezeris. I mean, those are all incredible records. I know, you know, not necessarily the biggest names or in, in, in all their cases, not necessarily the most exciting guys, but some real quality in terms of, of records there. And then, of course, you know, you've got some other names on here, uh, you, you know, from around Europe and from, from around the world, actually, uh, with some of the other fighters. But give me an idea. Is there, is there a fight or, or fighters that you're, that you're looking at most on, on these prelim cards that you're, you're kind of most anxious about? 
there's two there's two matchups on the prelims that I think are both going to deliver seriously exciting fights. I think Damir Hadsovic versus Polo Reyes, mm. I think, could be an absolute barn burner. Polo Reyes um, might not be the biggest name in the UFC, but you you look back through some of his past work. Um, that man loves nothing better than to just stand and throw leather with people. And Damir Hadsovic, uh, sorry, Damir Hadsovic is about as willing a dance partner as you'll find in Europe. He loves to get in there and do exactly the same. That might be a sleeper for fight of the night. Um, and a featherweight Daniel Tamer versus Chris Fishgold Mm. could be a lot of fun as well Uh, Daniel Tamer I think he's still looking for his his first win in the UFC but he's a heavy handed striker Uh, Chris Fishgold is similarly so but he also has excellent submissions look out for his guillotine choke that's his go-to move Uh, he's finished a lot of people with that Um, and uh, he he too is looking for his first win in the UFC so that's going to be I think that's going to be a a fight full of fireworks. Carlo Pedersoli Jr. versus Dwight Grant might not be too bad a fight either. Both those guys uh, are looking quite strong going into this one. But I think the Hadsovic Polo Reyes and Tamer versus Fishgold, they're the ones that are standing out to me heading into this one. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm excited for both of those. All right, brother. Well, listen, I don't want to keep you too long. You've been generous with your time. I don't want to keep you away from the local delicacies at Hooters. Obviously, that's imperative. You should definitely check that out. And, uh, yeah, you got to get out there and check out Prague a little bit and enjoy it. So, uh, you know, listen, we're going we're gonna to bid you farewell. But as you do, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll throw it to your interview with Dave Shaw because uh, you were able to, to pull the, the, the world boss man aside and, and get a little bit of stuff from him. So uh, just want to say uh, I appreciate the time, my friend. No problems. Thanks a lot for having us on. Dave Shaw, thanks so much for taking the time. We've so. pretty much rescued you from a, a huge scrum of, uh, of local media. Yeah. First event here in the Czech Republic. How's the reaction been? Yeah, it's been huge. Like massive, massive buzz in this city. Um, the event sold out in a matter of days. We hardly had a card at that point. Um, open workout last night was really well attended. It reminded us of a Brazil open workout where it's in a mall. There's people clamoring, you know, over the rails to get a, you know, a sight line to some of the fighters. Um, it's been great. There's real buzz in this city. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why it took so long to get here. I mean, it's not for lack of effort. We've been trying for a long time. Sometimes it's just a matter of when the arena lines up with an availability date. Um, and also you got to have a, the right card. So we're here. You know, we're making an impact. People are loving it, and we're excited. Normally, when you go to a to a new market, you've got a, a huge clutch of fighters from that country that you yep. can put on the card. It's a little bit different here. You've got Lucy Pudelova yep. on the main card, but yep. that's pretty much it. You've not got you've not got a huge a huge sort of uh, archive of fighters right. you can you can bring in. How has that been some sort of challenge in terms of putting together a card that's going to fit the market? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily a, a challenge. This is a, a real opportunity for us. I mean, every country you know develops at a different rate. You know, we just talked about how many, there's over 90 Brazilians or something under contract with us now. You know, we've got 20 to 25 Russian slash CIS fighters. You know, we're, we're in it for the long haul, right? If we're here, we're putting on a live event, we are connecting with fans all across the country. Um, this is a starting point for us to help nurture and develop mixed martial arts. We know that's a very vibrant MMA community here. Um, so you can, you know, rest assured that next time we come to Prague or another city in, in Czech Republic, that there'll be a, a number of new fighters on board. You're making a bit of a flying start in Europe this year with uh, events yeah, in, in, in back-to-back months. Uh, you've got, yeah. obviously, this weekend, and we've got London, and there's, yeah. there's talk about another one here in mainland Europe, you know, the following month. It's, yeah. it's, it's really busy. How, how many events are we looking at over the course of the calendar year, would you say? For the EMEA region, we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of six or seven. 
Um, and the benefit we've got this year, unlike last year's, is with the ESPN, event, ESPN deal, we've talked about this before, being able to hold events here locally in prime time is a, a way to make such a, a, a much more meaningful impact. So for us, you know, we're going to be in the UK a couple times, you know, continental Europe, mainland Europe a few times. We will also be in Russia. We've been very vocal about committing to Russia a couple fights a year. Uh, we're looking at the Middle East. We're looking at a few different countries we haven't been to before. So it's going to be an exciting year, and, and you're right. I mean, so far, two for two on, on, uh, on sellouts here in, in Europe, and I think that's a testament to how, you know, far along the brand has been built um, and, you know, what a great MMA community there is here. And in Europe, we've got some, some big-name stars. Obviously, Darren Till is, is headlining yep. London. Alexander Gustafsson has, has already made his reputation yeah. fighting on the top of cards here in Europe, and they've both fought for world championships, yep. and they've just, they've just quite fallen short. Yep. The fact that they're now building back up, how important are they to your strategy when you're putting these cards together for the European region? Yeah, I mean, hugely important. And, and you've got a long list of very successful European fighters, whether it's, you know, Volkan and, and Joanna's here, um, you got Connor. Look what Francis did this past weekend. Um, having key athletes in each region is, is very important to us for a number of reasons. Um, and you know, when it comes to, to, to building the card, you know, local fans want to see local stars, but local fans also want to see the global stars. And so it's always going to be a blend of that when we go to each region. How much of a I don't, I don't want to use the word battle, but I can't think of a better one. How much of a debate is there behind the scenes? when you're trying to put these cars together and you need to get that balance and you need to bring some of those more uh, widely known names onto these cars when perhaps they might be better suited to being on a pay-per-view car. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think what we try to do as, say, the business unit operators is provide the matchmakers with as much data as possible. In the end, those guys are the experts. They're the sophisticated ones when it comes to matchmaking. They're going to make the decisions, uh, whether it's myself or Borsari or Tropic, um, bringing in some information to say, hey, we should you know, consider this guy he, you know, or this, or this a female athlete. He or she has a huge social media following in this region. You know, this is something to consider. We give them all the tools to help make decisions. Ultimately, those guys are the ones that make the decisions. Um, I can't tell you whether it's a battle or not. I just know that there's always going to be a balance to make sure that we're getting viewership and we're getting tickets sold. Um, it's part of the product. It's part of the atmosphere at events. You know, we always want to have, you know, a big, very energetic crowd. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's less of a battle, more just about, you know, a calculation on, you know, how to sort of spread some of the key guys over what really is a, a pretty condensed period of events. I mean, we're going to have 42 events this year. It's nearly an event every weekend. Um, and so, you know, we need to be able to, to be smart in, in how we're spreading fighters out. And breaking new ground here in Prague this weekend, um, obviously going back to a familiar old yeah. territory in London, what are the expectations heading into that one? Because the card looks, looks pretty stacked. Yeah, pretty stacked. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, every time we go to London, um, it's, it's off the charts. And I think this, this, uh, this march will be, be no different. Um, expectations are huge. I mean, you know, we just redid the deal with BT. We've got sort of reinvigorated approach to content creation, which includes athlete profiling, like making sure that we're, you know, we're focusing on, on key guys. Even this weekend with Chris Fishgold on the card, BT is, has invested a lot to make sure that we're, we're building his profile. Nathaniel Wood's going to compete in London. Uh, and we've got a long list of European guys that our broadcast partners here, led by the team in London, um, are going to continue to center around because, you know, it's, it's, you know, the key guys are always going to get a lot of, of, of spotlight, um, but it's our job to make sure we're building fighters from, you know, fight one to, to fight 20. And we've got a situation where Rose is set to go down to, 
to Brazil to defend her title. Um, Europe, obviously, a massive, massive market for MMA. Yep. It's been done before where we've had a pay-per-view yep. on US time zone, obviously in Manchester with, with Michael Bisping. Yep. Yep. Um, Even the Stockholm event wasn't a pay-per-view, but it was yeah. late, yeah. So is, is the door still open to that sort of event, assuming the matchup is, is, is the right one? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I guess the best example for that is, is what to do with Connor, right? Like, he's got a number of fights left. He's still hungry. Uh, he wants to fight in many different places. He's been like really active on social media lately and you know talking about what an honor it would be to fight Anderson Silva. He was talking about wanting to fight on home soil. All these types of things um, are taken into consideration. You know we are we are largely bound by needing to have pay-per-views um, at 10 p.m. Eastern in the U.S. but you know there's nothing to say that that we can't. So at some point perhaps we will. Uh, it's not on the roadmap right now but you know what we want to do is, is and what Dana wants to do principally is, is create the best fights and the biggest fights for our fan base all around the world um, and so if we have to do something a little bit atypical then we will. So potentially if you're talking about the, the rule of having a pay-per-view on at that set time I guess if you're ever in a position to break that rule, it would be with someone like Conor McGregor who can sort of transcend the sort of the, uh, the time zones a little bit. And yeah, is a is a homecoming realistic? Uh, I don't know if I can answer that, I, and and not because I'm you know withholding any information. I just don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of unpredictability, I guess, when it comes to the roadmap for his next few fights. Um, you know, we 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 obviously want him to fight in the U.S. Um, he wants to fight in, in a number of different places around the world. I don't know if it's Brazil or Ireland or what, but um, I think we'll see in, in due time. Um, not a lot of information to share right now. Appreciate the time. Thanks Absolutely. very much. Thanks, and, uh, best of luck for the event. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks. Back to the May Road Show. That was our man out there in Europe, Simon Head, the Gabna. <laughs> Followed by his uh, his interview with Dave Shaw, the Gabna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you may, thought you might have something special for him. Uh, no, uh, no, I was I was actually still thinking in my head. I was like, why why did Kamikaze not get on the uh, the old? Well, he was working at the time. You know how it is as a video I know, person. But still, I was like, I was like, I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear the old. Mr. Uh, Abdur over there, well, Abdur Saban. Even without Abby, even without uh, Kamikaze, it was still a, a fantastic segment. So yes, I will it was say, good. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. Make sure you're logged into iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed. Take a take a second if you wouldn't mind. Just just give us a little rating. If you can give us five stars, that'd be phenomenal, man. We'd really appreciate the five stars. Yeah. Tell your mom about us. Oh, <laughs> Send your mom our way. Maybe you could leave some feedback as well if you don't <laughs> want to send your mom. Maybe you could just leave some feedback. Uh, leave us a little <laughs> little comment on what you like. Well, you know, I mean, what you don't like, but mainly just what you like. We like the positive affirmation, if you don't mind. That's right. Do what GSP would do and not talk shit. There you go. Leave Be GSP respect. and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, listen. Um, you know, I don't want to break down the full card. I mean, we kind of did that with Simon, but uh, l- listen. I mean, uh, Jan Blahovic, uh, Tiago Mejeta Santos, a-, a big fight there. Outside of that, I mean, I think Dodson and, and-, and Peter Jan is the one that I'm most excited for, no question about it. But uh, you know, I know you'll be you'll be working alongside us. You'll be watching these fights on Saturday morning here in Las Vegas. I will be watching. Any- anything you're most excited about, or anything you're most uh, you know. You were looking forward to, or Carmouche and Pudelova. Yeah, I think that'll be fun because I always, I always want to see where Liz is still at, and I think Lucy mm. is super, super tough. Um, I think she is. 
she's so quiet sometimes that it's like you know yeah. you wonder how into the she's fight like, she's, that she's uh, in the she's whole shy. fight week. She she's, is super shy, but uh, and then she gets out there and bangs, and then just literally destroys chicks. So that one should be fun. Um, what's some other ones? Um, Rogero de Lima and Stefan Struve. Yeah, I think that's an interesting that's one because uh, who did you go with that in your staff picks? You went Struve. I went Struve. I went Lima on that one. I don't blame you. Uh, and I think that uh, I'm not sure why Hard I did. Powerful He's just dude, so man. big and so powerful. But man, Struve. If Struve ever really just that length, have you ever used that length? I think 100 percent like know. he could, because he's got good submission skills, but we never see them anymore. No. It always comes down to striking, and in this too, I, I lean towards uh, Lima's striking on that one. Um, just another little uh, the part uh, Marco Polo Reyes fight. I think that should yeah, be a pretty good one. That's a solid one. Um, I mean, all all these guys. I mean, the the Petrosoli Junior fight. I mean, there's some really some good fights. But again, I love I love the fights at the top. But Jillian Robertson always, I think, she's is fun. another one. She is so she's fun. fun. I like her little attitude. So man. yeah, little, so that could be a good fight. Little um, gangster man. I, yeah, so, I think we're gonna have some fun fights. I mean, I get it that uh, you know it's funny because. Uh, you know, as I was talking to Simon, you look at the, the the quality of the records that start out the card. I mean, those first three fights could be good. They could be a little slow. Yeah. I mean, you've got guys that have great records. I mean, Michelle Prezeris, for one, you know, amazing record, not always the most exciting fight. So, yeah. Rustam Khabilov, um, amazing record, not always the most exciting fight. So, we'll see, you know, if their counterparts can bring it, if they can push the action a little bit. Then once you get into that top that top half of the prelims, I think you're talking about some action fights yeah. there. And I think the main card should be fun. Of fight could be really fucking good. It could be. That could be a really good fight. It could I be. Think, I think both guys I, – I can see both guys coming to bang on that one. So that could be one that could easily – Steal the star of the show. And I'm not sure. going to lie, as much as I would love to be in Prague, I know you've been there and, and everybody ah, says it's an it. amazing city. As much as I would love to be there, I will say uh, fights that start at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm on board with all day. Yeah. 8 o'clock here in the Pacific time zone. Oh, 11 I was, I was thinking Eastern. it was 8 o'clock there. I was like, well, that's really weird. No, yeah, no, 8, yeah, 8 a.m. for us. I mean, to, to wake yeah. up, throw on some coffee, and start watching some fights, to know that we're not going to be working until 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm all right with that. No, I get you. I get it. But no, Prague's like one of those places. It's just I know we've we've went over it before. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful city. I mean, I think the country is just so neat. I mean, the food. I it's funny. I talked with uh, Abby, and I was like, make sure you go out and you have some goulash. She's like, oh, they had it at the media lunch. <laughs> and goulash is like one of those things. I remember as a kid, I thought it sounded so horrific. Right. And I was like, oh, I'll never want to eat something like that. But goulash is really, really good, especially you get it with that nice little gravy. And it's got a little dumplings in it and stuff. Um, but there's great. And I, I had uh, there's this nettle beer. That I told him to try some of the nettle beer, which. It's an interesting sort of taste, but just to actually be able to try some of the beers they have over there, their beer is absolutely incredible. The cost of food and drink over there is really, really good. Um, but there's a lot of just amazing history over there. The 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 buildings were probably some of the most beautiful buildings I've I've ever seen. They kind of reminded me of um, when I was in uh, Austria and some of the other places. There's just these a lot of uh, Pointed steeples. I don't know the, what the architecture terms term is. In, in, in my dumb world, I would say, oh, they look kind of like castles and stuff on the top, and with these different, just old buildings. But they also there, you know, really look back at when the point when they were uh, 
ruled by the the communist party and then the, their their fight to get out from under it and and then just grow and the 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 community itself is just amazing but also they're just they're a very free country you know they like the beer they like their food they like their sex they mm. like the freedom of speech uh mm. It's just such a unique place. So if the weather is good over there, I mean, it's one of those places where it can rain. It can be it can be really, really shitty. But when it's sunny, it's beautiful. And as long as it's not raining and too wet or anything, uh, I'm sure they're having a wonderful time. So, no, I'm, I am, I'm very sad that we're, we're not there. But in terms of being able to just kind of sit back and for the most part for an event, just watch an event. Is absolutely fantastic. Not too bad, especially early, I'm, man. I'm loving it. Not a bad I'm way to spend it. a Saturday morning. Should say, by the way, Bellator does have a card this weekend as well. Uh, Bellator 217, and not that I'm completely overlooking it, but two things. Number one, it really feels like a Bellator Europe card. I don't mean that in any disrespect, but I mean this is a show in Ireland. Uh, James Gallagher versus Stephen Graham in the main event. Uh, Miles Price versus Peter Queeley in the in the co-main event. Charlie Ward's on the card. Richie Smullins on there. It's just it Which feels it feels like a it feels like kind of a a Bellator Europe card. I just, yeah. it just I'm not as excited about this. It doesn't have the big international names, and on top of all that, even with the zone, it's on tape delay. Oh, I know, I know, and I I don't think it's a very long tape delay. If I remember right, it's a couple of hours. It's not a full day or whatever, but it's just which is better. But tape delay is fucking sucks. It is, man. The fact of knowing that you're watching and it's already done and probably been reported on. Of course, man. you got to stay off like, social media uh, if you don't want to ruin it. So, uh, no disrespect to Bellator, not giving them the love that they deserve, but um, I, I don't know. Just the fact that this card is, is not as strong uh, as I would expect for kind of a, a numbered event, so to speak. I know that's not the same way as like a UFC pay-per-view, but it, it does just, look like a, like a, one of their European It feels like one of the episodes. European series cards. So uh, if, if anybody thinks we're just kind of glossing over that, I apologize. That's the only reason. Uh, you add in the, 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 the quality of the card and the fact that it's on tape delay, and I think that's more of just kind of a belt or Europe Not show. that it matters. Are there any U.S. fighters at all? There's one that I see, according to Tapology. Stephen Graham is the only American on the whole card. <laughs> So there so, yeah. you go. <laughs> it's a Bellator Europe card. <laughs> Bellator Europe. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. My wife is texting me. It looks like the snow is actually picking back up uh, where we are. I'm, I'm, she's sending me some videos. It's actually getting heavy. So, uh, not the Gravel that road, man, out there. <laughs> you got to watch that shit. Not that it's getting too late, but I actually uh, am going to be up uh, at 11.30 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to start working. So, basically, midnight Pacific. Uh, the the official weigh-ins will be on, so I'll be helping those boys out there get that stuff reported. So I gotta get out of here and uh, get home safe down that gravel road and try to. I I hope that you know you can make it, man. Let's. <laughs> you gotta get you know the 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 mountain pass that we have to get through to get there. It's. Uh, I know. At some point, you probably have to get out behind because the road's so narrow. You guys gotta make sure that uh, so you know ridiculous. one car at a time passes around the bend. You're so ridiculous. By the way, I live in a very nice neighborhood. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a very it's a very well built neighborhood as well. By the way, so it is it is a very nice neighborhood. Anyway, all right, that's enough. I gotta get out. It's cold. It's snowy. Who can believe it? Thanks for listening.